up, ask uh, Alethea Meeks, one of our uh, family members. She's a daughter, part of um, Ethos Kids. She's going to read our passage for us this morning. And so she's going to read Psalm 138. Would you guys give her a warm welcome as she uh, reads this to us? Do you want to step up on stage or do you just want to stand in here? Awesome. Well done. Thank you so much, Alethea. Um, yeah, so this week I, I kind of sensed the Lord is putting Psalm 138 on my heart and uh, for us this morning, and I, I wrote a pretty mediocre sermon, honestly, and uh, I think you would have given it like a 5.5 probably, and th- over the weekend, the Lord was just kind of stirring my heart, saying, Brandon, I want you to, to give your heart that, that you're one of the leaders here. These are your people. Call them to me. And, and this is uncomfortable for me because I love to have things scripted. If you've been a part of our church, I write out every word of every sermon, and so this is way different, but I felt like God was just inviting me, inviting us to, to usher in his presence. And so this is not a polished teaching, and I think it's going to be shorter. Hopefully for all of us, it's going to be shorter than normal, but, um, but, but, uh, but I think that God has something for us. And so I just invite you to, to open up your heart to what the Lord has for you. You might have to work a little bit harder uh, this morning to hear something from him, but I think that he has something for us all. And so yesterday I was in the kitchen in my house and we were doing dishes and I was taken back to this kind of time in my life in middle school where I grew up in a Christian family. My parents loved the Lord dearly and they taught us to love the Lord as well. And I remember they took us to worship every time the doors were open. This was a great thing for us. But I remember in middle school I started to, and I'd always been interested in sports, but in middle school I was super interested in basketball. And so one of my good friends, his name was Chase Futrell. And his dad had built this full court out, outdoor basketball court at their house. And he was a bricklayer, and so this full concrete court and bricks all around. It was just this gorgeous side. And so I looked forward every Sunday afternoon that he would call me and say, hey, man, we're playing ball tonight after church. And, and so I would get my shoes, you know, probably my Jordans or Adidas, whatever we were wearing that year. And, and, and I would uh, take my, my shoes and my, my shorts and my shirt, and I would throw them in my dad's truck. And, and we would go to church. And the reality is that I love being at church. I love to sing. I would go to early uh, with, at, to, at five o'clock with my grandmother to sing with all the old people. And I was like, you know, the 11-year-old there with her. And it was always a great thing. But there was something 
something different about the way that I view church and the way that I view basketball, that I, I enjoyed being at church, but my heart came alive when I played basketball. And so I remember um, just going, and we would play for two or three years all summer long and for a couple hours long. And I was just kind of thinking about that period in my life for whatever reason. And the question that I was asking myself yesterday is, what was my dad doing like all those years? You know, so we would leave church, and he would drive me, and I just thought, oh, my, my dad stayed there with me. That across the county is where we lived, and so he didn't go home on Sunday nights. That he sat in these kind of bleachers, and he would just watch us play, and he, would, and he was there. And for some reason, God was just stirring this, this thing in my heart that he was showing me that for a lot of my life, I've given the best of my joy, the best of my talent, the best of my resources to lesser things. And it's not that playing basketball after church is a, a, a bad thing or an evil thing. And I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you need to quit playing basketball and quit doing those things with your kids. But he was just showing me that, that my heart, I was giving the very best I had to these lesser things. And what God was, was showing to me is that in the midst of that, my dad was there. That he wasn't mad, that he wasn't angry, that I wasn't just going after God's heart as a seventh grader or as an eighth grader, but that he was there. And I think what God was stirring in my heart is that so many of us, we, we are giving the very best of our lives to lesser things, to our jobs, to ourselves, things that aren't bad. God just kept showing me, I have greater things for you. I have greater things for you, Lana. And Josh, I have greater things for you. And Luke, I have greater things for you. And Paul, I have greater things for you. And Brandon, I have greater things for you. And so I just kept asking, okay, God, what does this mean? That I'm not a pastor. I don't do this for, for any other reason than I believe that God is worth living the, every bit of our lives for. And I care so deeply about it that, that I want you to know him too. And if I was in this for me, I would quit being a pastor and I would just fly solo and I would take care of me. No, but, but I've seen something in God. I've discovered something in God. And I know that so many of you have as well, but I'm going, there's more of God for us. There are greater things for us to experience. And so Psalm chapter 138, I was reading through that this week. And Alethe, you did an amazing job. Thank you for reading that. But what hit me about this Psalm is that th this was David. And this was his story. He sat down with his equivalent of acoustic guitar back in his day, which was a harp. And he was thinking about what he was feeling in his heart for God, what he'd experienced with God. And he sits down and he writes this song. And what is so powerful is that this song is not a song of theory about who God is. This is a song about what he's experienced in God. I don't know if you caught it in Alethea's sweet little voice as she was reading it. But he doesn't say, God, I've heard that you answer us in times of trouble. He doesn't say, I've, I've heard that you are a God of unfailing love. What does he say? He says, God, when I called, you answered me. And when I was in trouble, you, you, you rescued me. You, you lifted me out of this. And what was he was showing me about this is that, that this was what he experienced with God and what he had come to taste with God was better than anything else in his life. 
the greater things that he had experienced, he sits down and he says, God, I will praise you with all of my heart. How many of us, honestly, when we come to worship, we give God the fullness of our heart? And I don't say that to, to make you feel bad, but I'm just going, honestly, do we, do we experience God in this way? Do we come into these doors and we go, God, you have my whole heart, and I will praise you with my whole life, and there's nothing more that I want for God when I called, oh God, you answered me. And God, when I was in trouble, you came and you rescued me. Is this our experience with God? Because this is who God is. And God is going, church, I have greater things for you. My favorite part of this psalm is the very end where David says this in verse 8. He says, the Lord will vindicate me. The word vindicate, it means to, to clear from brain, blame, to be declared as righteous. And if you know anything about David's life, and if you don't, go back and read this week in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Read about his life. He's not writing this song and going, God, I've vindicated myself because I've been so faithful. That every time the, the church gathered, I was there. And every morning I had quiet time with you. And I always gave my money. And I never lusted or treated people disrespectfully. I never was, was judgmental or arrogant. No, he says, Lord, you will vindicate me. You are the one that has declared me to be righteous. You are the one that will free me from blame. Because you look at David's life. He was anything but righteous. Adultery. Liar murderer, someone who yielded his own power as king over the entire land to benefit himself. David was not righteous in and of himself. No, he was righteous because he had come to know in the depths of his heart, the goodness and the realness of God. That God's heart has always been for sinful men and sinful women who have train wrecked their lives people who have, who have maybe in their own rebellion, we've, we've gone our own way, we've done the things that we want to do, and God has been so faithfully sitting on the sideline watching us. As we've tried to find joy, as we've tried to find satisfaction, as we've tried to, to find things that will fill us in everything this world has to offer us, and the whole time he's been sitting there. And the Lord's invitation for us is, do you want greater things? Do you want greater things? Have you experienced all of God that you want? Do you want more? Have you ever spent time around someone who loves God and who knows God, who knows his grace and his mercy more than you do? And you see them and you go, man, I want what they have. I want to pray like that. I want to have a hunger for the word like that. I want to be like that person because they know God. The Lord took me to Hebrews this week. I was reading through Hebrews on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us Fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. Who? On who? Jesus. On who? Fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. On ourselves, on our own righteousness, on our work, on our bank accounts. Fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. The pioneer. The one who went before us. 
and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him, he endured this cross, he scorned its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We get so caught up in living our lives. We get so caught up in the, the nine to five and trying to be a good son, trying to be a good daughter, trying to be a good friend, trying to be a good neighbor. Last night I was driving to, to go pray with some friends and I was scared. I was scared to come into his presence. I don't know if you ever felt that before. Maybe you felt that today when you walked through the store. Maybe you haven't been to church in, in two years and you're going, I'm so scared. Well, you need to know that, that one of the pastors is scared too. And I'm driving to my friend's house. I'm going, why am I scared to come into his presence? It was like God was showing me, Brandon, there's, there's a shell right now that your eyes are glazed over, that you're going through the motions. And I desire to crack that shell and to fill you. And you don't have to be scared when you come into my presence. I sent my son Jesus to die for you. I've moved heaven and earth to save you. Don't be scared of me. I've been on the sideline. I've been watching you spend your life on lesser things now. Now come and spend your life discovering and living in the greater things. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. What's our motivation? Hebrews 9, chapter 28. Someone stand up and read that. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Someone that can project really loud. Hebrews 9, verse 28. You can tell we don't do this very often. What did he say in that last part? He'll appear a second time. Not to bear sin, not to judge us, but just bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This morning, I'm gonna invite us here in just a minute, every one of us, to respond to the Lord Jesus. For some of you, this will be baptism. The Lord was showing me this picture this morning that I was praying for us in our time together. And what the Lord was showing me is, is a bunch of empty wooden jars. And this is for, for those of us who are Christians and those of us who aren't Christians, that, that for those of you who are Christians, I felt like what God was showing me is that you come here this morning and you're so empty. And you want to be filled with the presence of the Lord and you want to go after God, but there's nothing there. You look at your cup and you're empty. Others of you come here this morning, you're not Christians, and you go, man, I've, I've found the emptiness of living and chasing after the things that culture's chasing after. And the next image I saw was all these empty wooden, wooden jars, and the next image was just this flood of water just overflowing and filling the cups. And I felt like what God was saying to us is that there are some of us here this morning and he's inviting you to be baptized. We set up this horse trough full of pretty warm water. And we did this because the Lord's been calling to you. 
because the Lord has been inviting you. I don't understand the fullness of baptism. I don't know why he tells us to get baptized. Jesus was baptized. He commands us to baptize people. To, and I love this beautiful picture in Romans chapter 6 because it's this, this moment where the cross of Jesus, he is he, he stretched out. And, and he says there's something not magical, but there's something supernatural that happens when you, when you go down into this water. That the fullness of your sin, the fullness of your rebellion, the fullness of your living life for lesser things is put on Jesus and he gladly bears it. And when you go down in the water, Jesus says, it is finished. And when you come out of that water triumphantly, the same way that Jesus did on that Sunday morning three days later. Finley, my daughter, and I were talking about this last night. She's like, so you're telling me that resurrection means that we will come back to life? And I said, yes. That every single one of us one day will die. But because of Jesus, because we choose to put our faith, because we choose to be identified with Jesus, to give the entirety of our lives to leaning into the greater things, we will rise not to be judged, but to be given salvation. And so I invite you this morning, if you're not a Christian, to give your life to Jesus in baptism. Let nothing stand in your way. We have clothes. We have towels. We have the ability to FaceTime your family in. I remember several years ago, and not many of you know this, but um, a couple years into to being a part of Ethos, and I just felt the Lord stirring me to get baptized. I remember I was driving in to work, and I just felt like God was saying, you, you're going to be disobedient if you don't do this. And it was so weird because I'd been a Christian. I'd been following Jesus for a long time. I was a pastor at this church. And I knew I had to do it. And I remember sitting in these waters and Josh was there. And uh, I don't know if anyone else was there. There's one there, a few people. And uh, I don't know if Andrew, if you were there that morning. I remember just sitting there and, and going down and coming up and just weeping. Because there's something that is real that happens here. That you are given the Holy Spirit. The very presence that was in Jesus will be with you for the rest of your life. And he will speak to you and he will help you walk through sin and temptation. He will do away with all the rough edges. He will help you become like Jesus. He will speak to you and encourage you and comfort you. And I'm telling you, I testify that this is the work of the Spirit of God. That this is what he does. This is what he's done in my life. And if you'll have the courage to step in. To cross over from the lesser things to the greater things. Your sin will be forgiven. So here in just a minute, I'm going to invite you, if you're not a Christian, to give your life to Jesus in baptism. There are going to be some of us over at the Respond Banner, men and women. We have changing rooms. We have clothes. We have towels. Let nothing stand in the way. Let, do not care what, what your friends think. I know you spent a lot of time getting, uh, putting your makeup on and doing your hair this morning. Guys, you got your hair looking perfect this morning. Don't let anything stand in the way. Receiving the Lord Jesus in baptism. For some, the call to respond. This is for those of you who are Christians. And I sense this, that, that a lot of us come here this morning and our hearts and our love for God has just grown cold. 
that we read this passage in Psalm chapter 138 and you, re- and you remember a time in your life when this is what you felt about God. That you long to come into his presence and to, to worship and to dance and to, to be undone. That you, you long to be with his people and yet you look at your life now and you go, man, something has changed. And for some of you, and, and this is not politically correct, but that's not my, my job as one of the pastors here. For some of you, the reason your love has grown cold is because you've been harboring sin in your heart. And this morning, I'm going to invite you to let Jesus, who has has already taken that sin, heal you and free you. Yesterday morning, Courtney and I were sitting down at our our, our table, and I said, hey, I just need to to confess some sin to you. James chapter 5 says, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other and be healed. And there's something about that moment, literally, as my wonderful bride was praying for me, that I feel the, the Spirit of God just unlocking something. And for some of you, the reason your love has grown cold is because you've been harboring sin in your heart and you need to confess it and give it to him and let your friends or let us pray for you so you can experience the freedom, the fullness of Jesus. And so I'm gonna invite you, if you come here this morning and your heart is hard to confess your sin as we take communion, or if you don't wanna do that, there'll be some men and women up here that we would love to pray for you. That we are not perfect. That we are just, that we are just the same. Others of you, you come here and, and your heart is, is grown cold and maybe it's not because of sin, but you just need a, a fresh revelation. You need a revival in your heart. That you come here and you go, man, I, I want to know God like this. And it's going to be hard because in our culture, we're taught to sit and to listen and to be cool with our, our hands in our pocket. But the reality is that God says, if you want more, you must take a step. And so the step, the response that some of you are going to have to take this morning is just to go, yes, my love is cold. And it's going to be hard to say because you're going to let other people in in your life. But what the fruit that comes from that to let your brothers and sisters lay hands on you and pray for you to ask God to revive us. So here in just a minute, when we take communion, if, if your heart is cold, if your love for God is cold, if your love for the church, if your love for the lost is cold, let us pray or pray with the people that you came with. And finally, the last piece of response I'm going to invite us into. So for non-Christians, I'm going to invite you to be baptized. For those of us who are Christians, to evaluate our heart, to confess sin, or um, to confess sin, or to, to pray for revival. And the third piece is just this idea of shedding. That the reality is that when we, when we begin our life with Jesus, that none of us start, we have everything figured out. That there's a perfection that comes that Jesus imparts to us when we give our lives to him in baptism. But the reality is that we still have to work those things out, right? Like, Deb, are you perfect? No. And Deb prayed this morning. Can you believe that? That she prayed and she's not perfect? And, and I'm not perfect. And Nana's not perfect. And Andrew's not perfect. And Callie and Dale are not perfect. And, and Hannah's not perfect. Hannah let her kids for a long time. She's not perfect. Isn't that scary? No, because we're all not perfect. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says that we all who with unveiled faces as we reflect his glory, as we think about Jesus, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And so the Lord every day continues to shed our sin, to make our hearts beat more for the things of heaven than the things of earth. And I'm telling you, this is what he will do. And I'll tell you this story to encourage you. I remember when we first started Ethos, I looked more, 
I look forward more to going home after church and watching Sunday afternoon NFL football than I did coming and worshiping. That during worship, I would be thinking, oh, I can't wait to go and watch the games today. And I would be bummed when I would have to leave that three o'clock game where the Packers are playing and I wanted to, to keep watching the game. And what God has shown me And this is not to elevate myself. If you hear any of that, it's the enemy working. This is to elevate Jesus in the process of sanctification. That he takes the things that that are not bad things, but are lesser things. And he gives us a hunger for greater things. So last night I had had two friends and they said, hey, we're going to be praying. We'd love for you just to come and pray with us. And I'm telling you that all day yesterday, I was so unbelievably excited to go put my kids to bed and then to go pray for a couple hours. And I love to go to bed at like nine o'clock at night. (laughs) Thanks, Finley. This is a good laugh. (laughs) This process of if we'll continue to come into his presence if we will seek his face, if we will pray, if we will turn from our wicked ways, if we will humble ourselves, then he will heal us and he will hear us and he will revive us and he will revive our city and the people in the city who don't know him that we will get to show them and tell them about what we found in Jesus. I'm gonna pray for us. When I get done praying, we're gonna stand, we're gonna worship. If you wanna get baptized, if you need prayer, please don't let anything stand in the way of coming to Jesus today. Come to the Respond banner. For the rest of us, let's take communion. Let's celebrate. We're gonna sing a few more songs. I love you guys so much. I love you girls so much. Let's pray. God, this is all for you. That this is not a show, God, that this is a reflection. This is a mirror of what we will do with you in glory. That we will gather with people who have been made righteous by your blood, Jesus, and we will declare your praises. And so God, would you call people into your family? God, would you call people into into faith and into baptism? Would you call people into repentance? God, would you call us to you by the power of your spirit? Would you come? Would you unleash the fullness of who you are? Don't hold back your love. Don't hold back your grace. Don't hold back your mercy, God. Don't hold back and don't let us hold back, God. Let us give it all to you. We love you. We are your people. Thank you for saving us, Jesus. Thank you for making us your brothers and sisters, Jesus. Father, thank you for making us sons and daughters, for securing us forever. In your name we pray, amen.